now, though it's not directly here in the United States, and even though the U.S. isn't a direct combatant, it does seem to me that we are indeed at war. The New York City area is home to the most Palestinian people in the United States and the most Jewish people outside of Israel. Of course, within every community, there is going to be a diversity of thought, but suffice it to say that within those communities, and even with the rest of us who share this home, there are distinct sides. And this is different from how we've responded to the Ukraine. It's different even from Iraq or Afghanistan in that way because it hits, I think, closer to home. And of course, since the Holy Land is holy to so many of our faiths, we all have a stake in this tragic conflict, my God. Just about every large group text that I'm part of has been drawn into the war debate, and actually it's not really a debate, because for the people who are involved, this is existential. So to a Zionist, if you say that you do not support Israel, even if you don't mean exactly this, the vast majority are going to hear you saying that you don't believe that they have a right to exist. Israel is meant to be the safe haven for all Jewish people, a people who everyone else, including the United States, turned away during the Shoah or the Holocaust. And then that was the years of their deepest year, need. So if we say that we don't support Israel at this time, then let me be really, really clear for you so, so you understand this perspective. The person, the Zionist who hears that will believe that you don't believe in their existence, period. That's not really a matter for debate. This, is, this perspective just is, and I want us to understand it with dip, deep empathy, which I do, because as an epigenetic carrier of the traumas of chattel slavery, I don't have such a place or such a home. So I understand what it might feel like. I can empathize with what it feels like for that to feel at risk. Our neighbors and our friends need to feel our embrace. And in fact, tomorrow I'm honored to join the UJA Federation, the New York Board of Rabbis, and JCRC New York, who are gathering a group of interfaith clergy so that we can hear directly from Israeli survivors of the Hamas attacks on October 7th. Transition word I'm going to use now is and, not but. And. I'll say this from a personal perspective. Two of my closest allies in the struggle for liberation here in the U.S., particularly here in the city and in the work of immigration and supporting women, are Palestinians. Linda Sarsour, who was a co-founder of the Women's March, when I was receiving death threats and the church was vulnerable due to our ministry of activism here, Linda is the person who took personal responsibility for our, our security. If you're grateful to the men who just about every Sunday stand at the door here, stand sentry to protect us each and every Sunday for the past five years, then be grateful to Linda 
to the Palestinian activist Linda Sarsour. It is exactly because of her that we have that. And our close partner, who heads up the New York Immigration Coalition, Murad Awawde, is the, the person who's leading the efforts to support the buses of immigrants as they pull into New York City. And for the work that he and his incredible team do to fill in the gaps left by the city, and there are lots, and that's a whole other sermon, sort of, we have to be grateful to this Palestinian. When no one else is there, Linda and Murad are the first to show up for people, yes, but for me personally. Now, I do not know anyone who supports Hamas, and I condemn the attacks and the kidnapping unequivocally. And as I stand with my Jewish neighbors, I stand with my Palestinian neighbors. It's silly and even disingenuous to try to both sides this conflict. It's just not the way to approach this. But what I can say is this. I do not want one more baby in Gaza. And mind you, about half of the densely packed population of Gaza are children. Children. I do not want, want one more to face another moment of thirst, hunger, living in rubble, living under the threat of continued violence for terrible things that they didn't do. I need the Palestinian people to finally have a viable state in which they live free of settlements and occupation. And I firmly and emphatically believe that there must not be one more moment that Israeli families have loved ones and neighbors held hostage. And I don't want one more rocket or bomb to threaten their homes. I want them to feel safe every time they sit down to eat or walk to school. Everyone, everyone deserves to live in peace, everyone. This is a time for prayer for sure. It's a time to lean back and lean into the lessons of God and the lessons of our faith. But to what end? In a time of war, of course, people direct prayers, as today's psalm does, to the God of vengeance, the dread God. And as you know, I firmly believe you can pray whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want, our God is just and will work it out. The question I ask is what do our prayers do to us? You've heard it said prayer doesn't necessarily change God, but it definitely changes us. How does a prayer for vengeance settle into our souls? Is vengeance where we want to linger? Or do we trust God, who in the Torah, Deut Deuteronomy 32 specifically, says, vengeance is mine and recompense. And if we trust God, and trust that God will make good on God's promises, why sit in our desire for revenge? What's at risk when we do this? I'll tell you what's at risk. 
when we let anger take root in our heart, that's when we stop caring about other people's babies. I'll keep it that simple, because if it isn't, those babies are gonna keep dying. And let me be clear, babies dying is never okay. You hear me? Never. What if, instead, our prayers get real specific about peace? Here's a place to start. Peace is every child born on this earth able to live with the ability to, and the means, to thrive for the rest of their lives, to love and to be loved, to exist free from violence, that is peace. I think that one of the biggest challenges for more powerful nations like ours is that peace can never be one-sided. There's no peace, and there won't be any peace if our enemy also doesn't have peace as well. That's just how it works. All that does is it creates, it's going to continue the suffering and create new generations of people who hate us. Peace has to be collective, which is really, really harder to pull off. Which, by the way, is the point of prayer. To move us from places of impossibility into the possible. And I don't know if you have an enemy right now. This isn't just about Israel and Palestine. It's not just about the conflicts as people we have in the city. This is about any conflict we have. But you may have someone who you consider to be an enemy right now. And if you follow a faith like ours, I encourage you, no, I implore you. Indeed, I believe that the dread and almighty God, Elohim, Adonai, El Shaddai, Sabaot, God Almighty requires this prayer from us, a prayer for peace. So, even as we pray for vengeance, even as we pray for our own deliverance, we need to understand that we have to pray for the deliverance of people we consider an enemy to. Our own, or our own peace, just for us, will only be a ceasefire. And that's not enough for the babies. If you receive our newsletter, then you know that last week I was invited to pray for Shabbat services just around the corner with our friends at Park Avenue Synagogue. And Rabbi Elliot Cosgrove, the senior rabbi there, is not just a close colleague, but he's also a friend. And is such a friend indeed that when my child expressed an interest in exploring her Jewish heritage and receiving some Jewish instruction, he volunteered personally to give that to her one-on-one. -on -one. So we are very close. At any rate, in his drash, which is a teaching or a sermon, it's like this moment, Rabbi Elliot shared something that changed everything for me in my thinking about scripture. He said that since ancient times, 
The Rebbe's have taught that the entire Torah, the first five books of the Bible, the Torah was written in response to Cain's question in Genesis. And if you didn't know or don't remember, Cain asked God this, am I my brother's keeper? Now the answer to that is unequivocally yes. And the law then says, here's how. Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not steal. And for those of us who follow Jesus, we just need to remember what he taught us in quoting two sections of the Torah. Someone asked him, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your strength. That's the Shema. And to that, Jesus added, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, which comes from Leviticus. It is so hard to love a neighbor with whom you are at war, but you are your neighbor's keeper. You must be even at war. Peace can never be annihilation. Peace is peace. And that must not just be our intention, but it's got to be our North Star guiding everything, our leading light, leading us to peace is how the God of justice shines forth. Meanwhile, we got to keep our neighbors safe. In closing, I'd love to share the prayer we offered at Park Avenue Synagogue. It comes directly from their prayer book. It's written on, in there, I think, on page 188. It is a prayer that I pray will guide us all, all of us. Will you please pray with me a prayer for peace? May we see the day when war and bloodshed cease, when a great peace will embrace the whole world. Then nation will not threaten nation and the human family will not again know war. For all who live on earth shall realize we have not come into being to hate nor to destroy. We have come into being to praise and to labor and to love. Compassionate God, bless the leaders of all nations with the power of compassion, even if they've never known it before. Fulfill the promise conveyed in scripture. I will bring peace to the land and you shall lie down and no one shall terrify you. I will rid the land of vicious beasts and it shall not be ravaged by war. Let justice and righteousness flow like a mighty stream. Let God's peace fill the earth as waters fill the sea. And if you agree, may the church say, amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this element of worship. We are so grateful that you have entrusted the park with this moment to hear music, to listen to the word of God, whatever it may be. And we just ask for your support. The park only functions with the generous donations of people like you. And 100% of your donation goes to the incredible ministries of this church, which give and give and give again. 
Thank you for the ways that you give in advance and for all that you might be ready to give in the future. God bless you and amen.